Welcome to the Vortex Nation podcast, brought to you by lovers of hunting, shooting, public lands, the Second Amendment, and good food. All right, everybody, what's up? Just when you thought this pod venture had come to an end, and Mark and I capped off our coos deer hunt in Arizona, the Subaru made it, well... Instead of turning around and driving right back to Wisconsin, we actually carried on westward, and here we are in Los Angeles. And uh, the location is actually right across the street, and I noticed this immediately from the Porsche driving experience. But if you're in L.A., skip that all together and go immediately (laughs) across the street to an even cooler place, astronomically. We are at Renner Racing Development here, and I'm with Mark. He's still here. In fact, Still alive. maybe even a car guy. We'll, we'll get into that. But to our right is Damien Tuchinishki. All right, I got it. <laughs> uh, and Damien here has been, you're, I, I'm just going to let you introduce yourself, right? I mean, you've been with this shop since basically the beginning, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. Well, my name's Damien and I, me and my dad opened the shop three, year, three and a half years ago now. And all we do is Subarus. That's right. That's right. And that's why we had to come see these guys like... If you are into Subarus, uh, if you follow a lot of racing and whatnot, chances are, you know, maybe you've heard of these guys or you've probably certainly seen if you've ever Googled like super sick custom Subarus, chances are in like Google images, you've seen a lot of their work. And uh, I know my brother and I, that's kind of how we stumbled across you at one point because he was searching, you know, like both of us were geeking out over badass custom Subarus. And uh, there's a really cool car. Uh, Subaru in history around here in uh, in America that we ended up tracing back to your guys' shop. And so, can you go into like a little bit of the story of this? Because because obviously we've been working on Subaru Forester. We we just kind of wanted to have this be for those of you out there listening. Like, if you're in hunting, you're kind of like, okay, the car thing's cool, guys, but I'll wait for the next pot adventure. Okay, this is basically going to be a big car gush fest. But uh, but it, it's definitely worth it. Super cool story. Even Mark, you got super into it. So man, it's way way interesting. And and from I'll just say it like an outsider's perspective, like a non-car guy's perspective. Like I feel like the Subaru, like, and I've found out so much more, mm-hmm. a very like unassuming... Swiss Army knife. Swiss car. Army knife. Yes. Like, or even just like line of vehicles and the models and their capabilities. I think, I think there's a lot of underestimation that goes on Correct. out there with Subarus. Correct. So can you get into the story of like, how all this started, how you guys wound up getting into Subarus. There's this guy out there, Evo. Maybe some people have heard of him. And uh, he had an amazing Subaru uh, back in the day. So, yeah, like, wherever is the best place to start, I'll, I'll let you take it from so there. So the original shop is actually called Renner Motorsport, and that was owned okay. by my uncle. And uh, him and my dad ran it together, and they, you know, they worked together building cars. And they actually started out doing Volkswagens. And oh, no way. And that's, you know, back in the late 90s, uh, early 2000s, and then, you know, 2002, 2003, Subaru was around in America. They yeah. They come in, and that's when they get involved with Subaru. So ever since that they came to the States, pretty much. You know, then 2004, the STIs came, came here, and that's when stuff got more interesting. A lot of people started getting involved with it. Uh, and that's when their focus shifted from Volkswagens to Subarus, you know, event, eventually leading up to them. Uh, starting to swap cars, starting, you know, obviously using the GC platform, which is a lighter platform. It's the, you know, the, the first Impreza 
the mm-hmm. um, is still to this day the lightest. Yeah, so, kind of like from that mid '90s time frame or so. Right. So from when when the legacy was uh, was big, and then it's actually their the legacy and the GC they're using the same platform. Yeah, that's the goofy thing. Two totally different cars using the same platform. Yep. Yeah, and they're, and a lot of it is interchangeable. Yeah. And then from there, you know, they got into swapping these cars, building them, racing them. They've been, you know, up until that point, they were racing the Volkswagens. They had Chiracos. And uh, they, after that, became Subarus. So mm-hmm. after that started, as uh, as the industry evolved, they evolved with it, uh, started making them faster, grippier. And now we're here. Yeah, yeah. And that, like, in that GC chassis or that platform, that's where you get probably one of the most iconic Subarus ever built with the 22B, right? So if you're into Subarus, you've almost certainly heard of the 22B. If not, chances are, even as a kid, you might have had a poster of one on your wall and not even known it. It's <laughs> it's like, it was first intended for rally, right? Right, that's what, it, well, it was built, yeah, in order for them to use it for rally, they had to make the road version, so they're, uh, you know, they have homologation. Oh, yeah. And that's why they ended up making, you know, the 400 copies of it which sold within 24 hours after the release. It was for their 40th anniversary, I believe. And the 22B is the holy grail. It's probably the most special Subaru that came out of Subaru. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, everyone everyone knows about it who's into Subarus. You know, it's the holy grail, and then, uh, which is why we do replicas of those. Yeah. And those, are, those have been super cool, like following you guys on Instagram, seeing a lot of those. What makes the 22B, like, so iconic and so cool? It's the body of it. It's how it looks, you know, that you look at that car and it has, you know, you, you look at your normal 2.5 RS and it, it looks beautiful. It's a great car. A but little it's, two-door Impreza. Okay. But it's narrow. And then, you know, in 1998, they released the 22B, which had huge arcs. Okay. You know, and it looked Wide beautiful. Fenders. And, it, and obviously it was, a, you know, a 2.2 turbo car. So it was, it was that much better than yeah. your regular RS. Okay. Uh, and, and then because of... You know, there's only 400 of them. That's why it it's such a special car because not many people have them. Mm-hmm. The yeah, rare, like the scarcity. The rarity of that. is huge. It'd be like uh, so us being in the gun and hunting industry. It'd be like let's say in order for and this is this is kind of like a, I don't know if this has ever happened. This would be maybe a goofy hypothetical situation. But let's say in order for a gun company to release a new firearm for the military, they had to produce a certain low number for the consumer market in order for that bigger contract that they had with the military or whatever to go through. Right. So then like a very low select number of people got a chance at getting this super awesome, like duty grade something. Right. And uh, it just becomes that much more special and rare. And like some, a lot of companies have had to do that, you know, the homologation specials, you know, where in order to, to qualify for a racing division, they have to, make a set number for the like consumer the market. Yeah. Market. So like yeah. so like Joe or Jane could go and buy one at their dealership in like theory. It's not some in theory, one off of like super duper it, race it's, cars. It's like, why they yeah. you know in order for a car to race, they, there has to be a production line of it. Which is why, you know, recently actually I just recently heard of that the the new Ford GT, they ended mm-hmm. up making a production run of it, but Ford only sold it to the people that you couldn't go even if you had all the money in the world, you couldn't go and buy it. You had to be a special person with pretty much you have to be an influencer in order for you to be right. sold that car. There was very there was contracts. If you wanted to own that car, it doesn't matter that it's you know a couple million or whatever, 
you still have you have to abide the contract, right? So, right. And didn't one guy sell his too? That was did, yep. was that John Cena? John Cena, yeah. John Cena, <laughs> just coming out of nowhere, selling his Ford GT. Ford they made a big. They actually him. sued him. Yeah. Oh, they, they, did. they did. Oh, because he broke a contract. Yeah. That's crazy. One of my favorite homologation specials is um, the Volvo when they made like a two four two turbo or something like that for racing. I I can't remember. Are those the boxy ones? Yeah, the boxy ones. And they had to make 400 of them, you know, for the consumer market. So they made these cars and they shipped them over to the U.S. and they parked them in a parking lot just long enough for the inspectors to come by and say like, okay, yep, yep, you guys like made these for the consumer market. You're good. Once they were done, they stripped them all down, shipped like almost all of them back, put used all the parts in their race cars. And then like, I think only like a very small handful of them actually even stayed alive and they got away with it yeah they got away with it okay yeah yeah (laughs) insane well it sounds like the more we've talked about this racing too they probably are going to need those parts (laughs) yeah because i think a lot of stuff breaks right that's just how it goes but uh yeah and then i mean back then too with the uh when you guys are doing and you have been doing those 22b replicas and stuff like that that was kind of like what evo's car was first intended to be or was his intended to be something totally different and custom and because he had that it's that two-door impreza it's such a tiny little car when you get up next to it yeah you know and and yet still it has all-wheel drive which is just crazy it has everything evo's car is uh started as you know obviously the normal rs then he the reason actually he ended up going to the wide body mm-hmm. is because he ended up sideswiping the car and he was like, oh. oh, I'm not gonna fix it, I'm just gonna put a body kit on it. <laughs> so I believe I might be mistaken, but I believe his car was no. I know I am mistaken. I was I was gonna say it was the first wide body car, but it was actually this one. Oh, your time attack. He, car? he was the he uh, Evil, Evil proceeded to use the arrows and body kit, put it on, and then at that point the car was still um you know, a mild build. It had, you know, four hundred and fifty horsepower. That's and all. Was, mild, mild. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then uh, he drove it every day, and you know, it was a very nice car. Would track it occasionally, and then eventually, it, I don't know, his power levels went up. Mm-hmm. Put a cage in it. M- was more track oriented. While he still drove it from the time to time on the street, but at that point, you know, the car is the car is loud. The car is low. You know, it's very hard on the eyes. You see it, and it's you see it. Yeah, you know, you, you can't miss it. So he would occasionally drive it on the street, but it was mostly for the track. Yeah. And yeah, that car has evolved a lot. I mean, it went through a lot of stages of testing parts and uh, testing builds and mm-hmm. went through a lot. And he was quite a race car driver even before he, because he came to the U.S., right? And how how did that work out? He was racing somewhere else, right? Right. So we're, uh, Evo's my uncle mm-hmm. uh, and we're originally from Bulgaria. And he came here when he was, uh, I want to say 21. Okay. And prior to him coming here, he was uh, doing rallycross back back home in Bulgaria. Nice. And he came here, and rallycross isn't too big over here, especially, you know, you can't just pick up a car and go rallycross. Okay. So he got into track racing at the time, obviously, with Subarus were in around, so he had a Scirocco, started driving, competing, and he was, I mean, he was amazing. He was an amazing driver, and then proceeded to compete in Time Attack uh, when Time Attack came available in, I want to say... 08, 07, mm-hmm. 08, when, when Time Attack came, started getting really big in the U.S., he got into that and then did it all the way until until his passing. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, such a cool, like, you know, reading up. I know you were reading up on that, Mark. Yeah. It's just a cool story of, uh, of how he kind of got into all that and, you know, doing Time Attack and stuff like that. For, um, for the, and for those who don't know, uh, like myself, like, what is Time Attack? Yeah, yeah. 
time is time attack is you against the clock it's uh essentially qualifying that's what it is but it's it's you time attack is it's such a great sport i mean it's uh you build a car and for the majority of time attack it's people using their own resources building cars you know a lot of there's a lot of shops involved but there's also a lot of individuals that are building it out of their garages and there's very few you know big big teams and it's you build a car you push it to the absolute limit and then you go on track and you push yourself to the absolute limit to get the perfect time to get the you're chasing every tenth mm-hmm. is it to get like is it to just get to the end as fast as you can or is there a specific perfect time you have to hit exactly on the no dogs? no no it's you want to be the the fastest as fast, as fast as you can, can possibly be. okay you know and then time attack is big on records so when you go race you want to break a record you're oh, not wow. going there to it's not so much for first second third place i mean obviously at the end at the end of the day that's how you're being awarded but right the important thing is the time mm-hmm. like you want to be the first first of all the first yeah pretty much yeah <laughs> the first 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 yeah, yeah exactly triple first and now you're driving the car that you guys have here so you guys have a pretty badass time attack car here we were just checking it out in the shop and this thing's got Imagine the Subaru, like, for those of you who, who aren't necessarily so much into this racing, the Subaru you see on the street, and then just, like, completely different. It's 100%. I mean, everything is custom, suspension, engine, transmission. You've got this crazy body kit on it, huge wing that comes even out from, like, under the car. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's it's incredible. What? So, let me, so what is the same, then? Oh, I think, yeah, didn't you say, like, the rear subframe is like the only oh yeah currently our subframe is the only still oem part on that car (laughs) which is getting changed out (laughs) (laughs) so it's not at the end of it like when you're done it's not even gonna hardly be a a subaru anymore i mean the only thing you're gonna have is the you know the chassis which some of it has been cut out from so it's not it's not (laughs) totally original yeah um pried off the logo on the front and (laughs) right what's it like driving this thing um, I mean, it's how the much, most amazing thing in the world. You guys are putting how much to the to the wheels now? I know uh, there's like different dynos. There's, yeah, and, there's a different dyno uh, situation, but we're it's it made six ninety on the Mustang dyno, mm-hmm. and then you know if you translate that over to, to dyno jet numbers, it's uh, you know roughly seven sixty okay. seven seventy to the wheels. My goodness, and you're still retaining all wheel drive. You know, I know a lot of people think of this is this is one of the things I'm curious to hear get your input on because a lot of people think of track cars and they look at race cars and a lot of what they know and are familiar with is rear wheel drive. And then all wheel drive, you throw in now the front wheels can have power sent to them. And uh, it's just a whole, I think people get nervous about that maybe because they're like, oh man, there's all these other mechanicals now. Or But what, like, that's part of what makes Subarus awesome is the all wheel drive system. Oh, 100%. 100%. One of the best all wheel drive systems in the world, no questions. Oh man! Um, All the Quattro fans out there are just like I know. Well, you know, I, the, <laughs> the, Qua- Audi, the Quattro Audi. is probably the best one. Okay, all right, I, I, all right. Agree, I agree with the that. The Audi Quattro I've heard is pretty is pretty sweet. But you know, the all wheel drive system, in, in terms of racing it, it only makes it easier. Okay, you know, a lot of people oh now there's you know understeer and and uh, the car the front end's pushing. That is true. You have to work around that, but that's oftentimes it's due to whoever's driving and not knowing when to let off the pedal in the turn and you know he, he wants to keep it flat and sure you know at that point yeah your front end's going to start pushing but it's easier to drive okay you know with three wheel drive cars you have to be very easy on the throttle you have to be uh mindful that the the you know the rear end can snap on snap on you uh front wheel front wheel drive cars are probably in fact the hardest to drive fast yeah 
Right. Is that because like the rear end would want to break loose? Or I mean, like, there's, I mean because you're only getting power sent to the front. Yeah. Oh, okay. Your front wheels in a front wheel drive car have to do everything. They have to steer, brake, and apply power to the ground. And you can only like, I don't know if you guys, if you look at it this way, like, you know, you're, you're more experienced than I am for sure. But I've, I've heard a lot of the like instructors I've talked to, they talk about the rule of a hundred percent. A tire can only, it only has 100% of what it can do to give or its grip to give. And some of it's either going to get used steering, braking, or putting power down. So that is correct. Yeah. If you're full on hundred percent power, Steering and braking isn't a thing. Yeah. You know. And so those, these front wheel drive cars, they have to be driven a certain way. Mm-hmm. Funny enough, the actually the fastest time attack car around Button Willow, uh, which is the track over here uh, locally to us, where we have the uh, global time attack finals, mm-hmm. is actually a front wheel drive car. Interesting. It's a Honda, it's a Honda Civic? Civic. Yeah. That thing's pretty gnarly. But the driver has probably got to be the most gnarly thing about it, right? I think they're both pretty gnarly. <laughs> they're both pretty gnarly. I mean, in order to drive a car like that, I mean, I, I believe I was talking to one of the guys from the team. He said they were running 880 to the wheels or it oh may, may even be more. Oh that was a while ago. And you're putting that all through front wheels. You know, the only front wheel drive. Jeez. And it's still a four-cylinder motor. Yep. My goodness. I mean, we're talking about, like, when I had this motor out and we were working on it prior to this adventure... Seeing an engine, when you actually see it out of your car, you know, like cars are big, right? Like you fit inside of them. They're designed <laughs> to be bigger than you usually, uh, unless you're looking like a BMW iZ or something weird like that. But like when you actually boil it down, you look at the, the pistons and, you know, the crankshaft and all that that's actually doing the work of propelling the car. It's tiny. And especially in these four cylinders, it's like the size of your torso. Yep. And it's unbelievable when you guys are taking something like that and putting... You know, in the Honda Civic motor, it's just a little inline floor. You know, that's also pretty small. Putting that much power through that thing, that's insane. You know, it comes with its own problems. You know, trying to put <laughs> that much it. power through four cylinders. <laughs> it's definitely not as easy as putting them through, you know, to 2JZ or, you know, you know, LS motor. But you deal with it, man. I mean, yeah, Subarus come with Subaru motors. We thought we considered, you know, swapping motors at one point. To something even not it, Subaru. That's not, first of all, that's not what we do. You know, our business is strictly Subarus. Yeah. Uh, it's what we do. You know, it's how we build them. Yeah. You know, so we, we got to run a, a Subaru motor in it. And to be honest with you, with Subarus at least, and I think I think it goes for Hondas as well, up to about 500, 550 to the wheels, you can build them very reliably you don't, you, where you don't have to worry about, oh, I'm just, am I going to go to track and I'm going to have to put it on the trailer to come back? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Throw a rod through the engine case or whatever. Exactly. The, yeah. With, uh, you know, technology is so evolved now that a, a 500, 550 to the wheels Subaru is, can be built reliably, easily. Definitely. And a, now, lot of, a lot of the stuff I'm sure you got to do is swapping over to forged internals and stuff like that, 100%, right? 100%, yeah. yeah. Not only that, you know, the, you have to go to a closed deck block. You have to use thicker uh, head studs instead of using head bolts. So you go to, have, you know, half-inch head studs. Okay. But that's what you got to do in order to yeah. to hold that power. Yeah. You know, your your normal motors rate rated for you know, 300, 320, if that. Sure. And at that point, the internal starts failing. Yeah. And you got to upgrade them. Even if you want to only run 400, mm-hmm. you know, you still got to, if you want to be reliable and you want to be safe, then yeah, you got to yeah. build the motor. So Mark, to translate. Yes, here, please. So when you look at the engine block, you know, that's kind of where your pistons and your rods and your crankshaft and all that, that's where, like, all the power is kind of being generated. Damien, you can correct me on any of this stuff, too. But, like, 
you know, the closed deck block that you mentioned, that's a big one people people talk about. Like, do you remember when our engine block was completely torn apart and we had that sitting there mm-hmm. and you looked at the side where the pistons, you could see the tops of them, and there were like these, these like uh, hollowed out sections. Yeah, right. Right, right. There, instead of having those big, giant, hollowed-out sections, which, as you can imagine, allows, like, just, I assume, more flex in the engine block or something like that, or just not as much support right, and the, for the, the, the cylinders. The cylinders, they're not supported at that point. Yeah. They can, they can crack. Yeah, so you okay. guys, you when you go to a closed deck, you kind of fill that in. You, like, brace it, you know? And then forged internals are just, you know, like, cast versus forged. We talk about, like... Uh, you know, like a forged barrel, you know, in a, right. in a rifle is more, you know, strong or whatever than something that isn't forged, for example. Like forged sure. is better. So it can just hold up to the power better. Right? Pretty much, yeah. That, okay. Cool. I think I'm All tracking. Right. All right. Is there something special about these Subaru motors that, like, kind of allows them to do the things that you guys are doing to them? I wouldn't say it has anything special that other motors don't. You can make power out of any motor if you want. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously there's certain certain motors that are better designed for that stuff but out of the factory that motor is not meant to push that much power which is why we have to do all this extra stuff in order to actually run that power gotcha in fact if anything it's less superior to other motors because you you know you have two heads you, you know you split the short block right down the middle and then you have two heads on the side mm-hmm. those are just weak points that okay. you have to deal with you know with uh evo uh with evos with hondas jay-z's they have the block and they have the head on top and it's yeah let's say something happened and you wanted to do a head gasket job it's it's that much easier you know with the supers <laughs> you have to pull the motor out you I was have to say take you don't even heads. have to pull the motor jesus what what were we doing getting this thing <laughs> i had to pull the whole motor on this thing <laughs> no for the supers yeah no no you have to pull it yeah, yeah exactly yeah. exactly that's what I was saying to Mark. I was like, why did we get a Subaru? I had to pull the whole damn motor here, and we had limited time. Because that probably sounded like more fun to you, Jim. It did. It did. <laughs> but uh, that boxer motor that people talk about, that's also kind of one of the unique things about Subaru. Do you think, like, is the boxer motor, like, I mean, I, I know people talk about the balance, the low center of gravity. Is that part of the reason why you like Subarus, or is, is the main reason you guys like Subarus and got into them, is it the all-wheel drive, or is it just, like... It's the whole package. The whole package. A, now, the chassis, you know, and... I, I got into Subarus because my family was into Subarus as I was growing up. Mm-hmm. You know, my dad, he's been into Subarus ever since they came out on the market, ever since he saw that 22 beat. Yeah. So naturally, he always wanted one. And then, you know, him and my uncle, they got Subarus. They started messing around with them. I, you know, I kind of grandfathered into that. But it's, it's not just one thing about the car. The car is, the whole car is a great package, which mm-hmm. is, it, it makes it hard for you not to love it. It's uh, not only the all-wheel drive system, not only the motor, it's the feel of the car. It's the history behind it that people like. It's what you can do with them. It's the the, the entire industry that's behind this uh, this brand that you know that's so heavily supported. Uh, it's the community also. It's Subaru guys, hands down, the nicest guys ever. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you you see a Subaru down driving down the street. You see, and you know, you're in a Subaru. You bet that you're gonna say hi to each other. You know, it's oh, yeah. the it's the, the nicest community. So there's it's not there's not one thing that you that's do. Cool. Uh, it's uh, the, that gets you into Subarus. It's it's the whole thing. That's cool. Yeah, we were uh, we were just perusing around Instagram there for a bit, and I started stumbling across more and more other dudes out there that are off roading Subaru Foresters and stuff like that. Started hitting them up on Instagram, and a lot of them just get like stoked if they see yeah. other people doing Subarus. Yeah. You know, it seems like it seems like a lot of times people. Like the, the thing I've noticed about people who drive Subarus is like they know they drive a Subaru. Like yep. sometimes I've I've met people where it's like, oh, what kind of car do you drive? And they're like, I can't even remember. You know, or they're kind of right. like, I drive like a Mazda or, you know, yeah. like I drive like a, a Honda or something. It's like, oh, okay, cool. Like what kind? I, it's like 
the regular one, I guess. <laughs> you know, but like you, people drive a Subaru, they're like, oh, I drive an Outback, or you know, like yeah. I drive. They, an they take pride in it. They do. Yeah. They do. Yeah. There they is. Like I mean, it does seem like anybody you talk to, like they have like kind of like a cult following, and like yeah. if you're into it, you're into it. And it's funny you talk about like oh, I get in a wave like with my '79 Scout. Like you cannot pass a Scout without. Oh, it's impossible. Yeah, <laughs> especially something like that. That's yeah. a little bit more rare. You don't see it as often, and like. The nice thing that I was thinking too when we when we picked this vehicle out, I mentioned on an earlier podcast in this series, but you know, like with like Subarus, they're kind of complicated in that they have the the boxer motor and they have the all wheel drive system, but also like when you actually get to taking one apart, they're actually not that bad. Things are pretty easy to get to, you know. Aside from you know the motor, it's like a, practically if you want to change spark plugs, you almost have to pull the motor unless you have tiny hands. Yeah, but, <laughs> you know, it seemed like something where parts are pretty readily available, like. There was there was all kinds of cars that I thought were cool when we were looking for one. Like I mentioned to Mark, the Mitsubishi Montero would have been pretty sweet. You know, something like one of those old Suzuki Grand Vitaras would have been pretty sweet. But imagine going around then being like, oh, shoot, something broke. Where am I going to find a part for that anymore? It's like Mitsubishi doesn't make a Montero anymore. Suzuki isn't even in the U.S. anymore. You know, little things like that. You'd end up, but like Subarus are everywhere. No, yeah, the support system for these cars is, is great. I mean, you can find parts from pretty much anywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, I really like how you called it, a, you know, it's pretty much a Swiss knife. It's the Swiss knife of cars. Yeah. Because they have models for everything. You can do anything with that car. It's true. Anything. There is not a thing you can't do. You I know. saw that Forrester do some things this last week, Jim. You did, yeah. Like, off-roader, got it. Rally car on gravel, got it. Freaking awesome track car, like time attack, crazy aero kit, big fat tires, got it. Yep. Daily driver. Whether you have, you know, let's just... Pick the STI, for example. Where do you have a bone stock STI and you want to daily drive it every day, not have it be crazy? It's still a super fun car. Mm. Should you want some extra power in that car and still daily drive it? Not a problem. You want a lot of power? That's also not a problem. You can still daily drive it. We, we, no, we have people doing that. Should you want to go uh, traveling and you know off-roading or you know go, go have an adventure? That's the perfect car. Mm-hmm. Because it, you're not going to get stuck anywhere. You can go anywhere. You can go camping in it. You can go to the mountains. Do you want you want a race car? No problem. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> you know a guy. <laughs> I know a guy. <laughs> you know rally cars, anything. Man, that's that rally seems to be really where like Subaru got its started to get a lot of its fame. And this it, kind of you talk about the community. One of the things I think is so funny about Subarus is their community in times is completely polarizing. Because <laughs> like you'll see like you'll see like boy racers you'll see freaking you know rally guys off-road guys whatever that are total petrol heads they just want to hear loud motors and just go and be extreme and then on the other side of things you've got like subaru in their commercials where everybody's hugging trees and going around (laughs) right you know like kissing tweety birds and stuff and like both those kinds of peoples are nuts about subaru Right, right, yeah. Which is funny, but like the rally thing, I feel like was was one where probably before people who got Subarus before, like Subaru really got it big into rally, were probably almost kind of like. Actually, it was funny. I was talking to a guy at a sh- a sh- our shop locally, and he said that one of his buddies he lived up north Wisconsin, where everybody drove. It was like Ford, Chevy, Dodge, or get out. That's, <laughs> that's what he said. That that's what he said. The no phrase way. was it was Ford, Chevy, Dodge, or get out. And this dude up there got a uh, Subaru Brat Brat. way back in the day because he thought it was like kind of sweet because it was sweet. And uh, he said people would literally run him off the road. Like they would, they would actually like, they would actually like try and run him off the road. So he had to get rid of it and get. Doesn't sound very nice at all. It was terrible. 
anyway, all you up northerners uh, there in Wisconsin. Yeah, be, be nice. nice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, this was way back in the day. I don't know where it was exactly up north, but hopefully times have changed, Jim. Hopefully so. But anyway, you know, it's like then they got it big into the rally thing. You had guys like Colin McRae driving a badass legacy in the in the twenty two B stuff like that, and uh, and yeah, then all of a sudden, like everybody was like, oh my gosh, these Subarus can do anything. That's why the, they that's why they became so notorious because of rallying. Yeah. Uh, and eventually people saw they can do other things with it. Yeah. And then, you know, oh, these Outbacks and these Foresters are really reliable and they can get me anywhere. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. It's and, true. And, you know, people started buying a lot of them and, and doing stuff with them. And truthfully, with a Forester and Outback, what can she do? It gets you home, you know, from work. You want to travel. You want to off-road. You want to... It's huge. You know, you can, you know, move your whole house with it if you need it. Mm-hmm. Yep. And we pretty much did that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, it's a great car. And the good thing is that they're reliable. Yeah. You know, a lot of people, they build some cars and they have problems with them, which, you know, it happens with, you know, high horsepower Subarus. But if it's not a high horsepower Subaru, very reliable car. Mm-hmm. Very reliable. Well, you were talking earlier about like some of the mileage that folks are getting out of these things. Like it's oh, like seemed- 300,000 is yeah. like. We have customers sure. with three, with over 300,000 miles on them. That's just astronomical. That is. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, to think about going that far on one car. Our car on the chassis right now, of course, we put in the new rebuilt motor, but on the chassis, we've got 240,000 miles now. And like when we got it, the car ran, like it drove. Mm -hmm. I was just sort of like, well, we got to drive all the way to Arizona. And you don't probably know this. uh, I don't think I told you this because I wanted you to take us seriously. Um, But (laughs) our our last pod venture. There's a lot we haven't revealed. Our last Uh, pod venture, the vehicle didn't really make it. It it was a boat and it it didn't make it. So I really (laughs) wanted to make sure we were going to make it this time. So didn't want to just go on that original motor. But uh, yeah, they do. They go, they go, and they go. What is it that like, so let's say somebody, let's say somebody out there listening, they've got a Subaru, right? Or, some, or whatever re- really vehicle it is. It doesn't have to be a Subaru. We're just... I think there's a lot of people that they don't even know what they have and they have a Subaru. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. But let's say people do want to start kind of going down the modification route. You know, it's... it's I've seen... I've seen people modify cars and they do a really amazing job. I've seen like garage total just, you know, in a single car garage, people make custom rigs that are just like absolutely immaculate and incredible. I've also seen people even in the nicest of garages, go and try and modify a car. And you're like, why did you do that? You literally ruined it. Like, what are things that you want to start looking at when, you, when you're when you modifying a vehicle? You know, first, I'm sure you have to figure out what you want to do with it. But like, you know, like a Subaru, for example, depending on what you want to do with it, are you going to start like first looking at suspension? Do you first start looking at reliability? Do you first start looking at, you know, whatever? Like you said, that's it, it. It all comes down to what you want to do with the car. Mm-hmm. If if you think the stock power is enough, then worry about other things: handling, suspension, uh, brakes if needed. Mm-hmm. If you want power, I always tell tell people is that you need to know what you want so that you don't have to do it twice. Yeah. So you want power? Decide. Do you want you know three hundred and fifty, four hundred fifty, five fifty? How much power do you want? Mm-hmm. In order for you to not spend your money twice. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, right. Yeah. If, if someone's out there looking to do a build, go to your local Subaru shop. Not the dealership, a Subaru shop that yeah, builds yeah, cars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, somebody like you guys. Because um, the dealership will say, no, don't touch it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and, and but I'll show you this new model. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then find out what the best way to go about it is. Because mm-hmm. they probably know better. If, if you haven't built a Subaru, then the sh- a shop that has probably knows better. And they can steer in the right direction. Yeah. 
because I've had customers to where, where they come and they, and they tell me, okay, well, I want to do 450 to the wheels. That's fine. No, we can do that. But you need to know that's what you want because eventually these people come back and they're like, well, I want a little bit more. Yeah. You know, well, 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 yeah, like but we, we built, cool. you know, this motor is rated for about, you know, 420 to 450 to the wheels. You putting on more power now will, you know, take the reliability factor out of it. Yeah. And at that point it becomes pointless. So, uh, first thing you want to do is you want to make sure that you have a clear uh, plan as to what you're doing. Okay. And the most common thing I think is, you know, people, you know, throw botons, the cars get, a, you know, pretty good jump in power. They become really fun. And then they start, you know, messing with suspension and that's when the car becomes great. Yeah. A great track car. It can be a daily driven car. Pretty much anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like you said, talking to you to a local Subaru shop or something is, is super advantageous like i was talking with you a little bit throughout the process of this thing i mean you're probably uh laughing as you read some like taxes <laughs> you're like what is this guy doing i was i was actually gonna ask did you actually think we were gonna make it <laughs> no i didn't have doubts as to if, if, if you're gonna make it or not because you rebuild the motor and then you made sure that it ran fine first yeah. before you, t- you took it on a trip so no i wasn't worried about that okay all right sweet oh, all right. That, that a boat of confidence that makes Two of us then. <laughs> right, right. But, you know, like we just got down here and, for example, like literally before we were podcasting, we were talking about the lift kit we installed. And, you know, I mentioned that we put spacers on the struts and spacers on the trailing arms. And then you're like, well, did you space out the subframe too to make all the geometry go back to normal? And that was where I had a little bit of a, oh, right about that <laughs> kind of moment. You know, we sort of did the route where in a typical sort of home mechanic kind of way, it was like, oh, I want a lift kit? Sure, lift it. Boom. It's lifted. Done. Yeah. And little did I know, and I, I actually, I did know because I could see it, but we sort of just ran out of time, you know, but looking at it, you know, oh, all the geometry has changed, my ball, uh, my ball joints, my inner tie rods, my outer tie rods, my, you know, like control arm is stressed, my sway bar end links are stressed, my axles are stressed, CVs are stressed, and we made it here. Yeah. But, but you were kind of mentioning, you're like, well, yeah, you made it, like two inches is a pretty good lift. It's probably a ticking time bomb <laughs> though. Like your axles are probably going <laughs> to, they're probably going to struggle a little bit. Yeah, but yeah, man. I mean, you you actually you surprised me to be honest. You 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 rebuilt your own motor. That's that's pretty great. And not not a lot of people tackle that with Subarus. You know, with uh, other motors, a lot of people have. Mm-hmm. But with Subarus, it's a little bit sketchy. So you should you should give yourself a pat on the back. Oh, cool. Appreciate no, I, that. I told that. Jim that too, man. I think that was, might have even been yesterday. I'm like, dude, I'm like, you should be really proud. Like, this is like a big. I mean, I basically had nothing to do with this besides listening to Jim talk about it and be like, <laughs> drive it over. Like, hey, we did this. I'm like, oh, sweet. I'm, yeah, right. you're, you, I don't know why you keep using the word we, but uh. <laughs> it was uh, it was ton of it was a ton of fun. I got to say, like again, for anybody out there thinking about doing it, I suppose I was a, you know kind of a car nerd going into this, so I sort of knew routes to go and things to ask, questions to ask, and you know things like that. But when you actually do something like this, it is a super like awesome experience. We put two thousand miles. Actually, you also include the five hundred miles we did to break it in before we came to make sure it actually worked. But like twenty five hundred miles on this new thing, and uh, it actually works. And you're sitting there probably thinking like, "Oh my gosh, with that lift kit, I can't believe, <laughs> your, I can't believe your axles are still good." But uh, it is it is pretty cool, and you know to be able to to be able to do that is pretty neat. But you know, I I couldn't help but think to myself like one thing, one thing we've talked about, and again, kind of relating back to our industry quite a bit is you know, the firearms industry. So I've built, uh, we're in California here, so I hope like nobody jumps in and like, oh, <laughs> talking about guns right now. But, you know, I've built AR-15s before 
and you build one, you can do it in your house, you know, or whatever in your, in your shop, in your basement, wherever you put it together and you're like, sweet. And it runs and it works. And you're like, this is awesome. This is as good as it gets. I use really good components. And then all of a sudden you go out and you buy one that was already built by a shop. And you're like, oh my gosh, this is what it could be. Right. And, right. and this, these are the times where I'm like, I'm thinking it applies to so many things, but like when somebody comes to a shop like you guys, there's like what they can do in their garage. And some people, some people, maybe they used to own a shop like you guys did, so they can actually do that stuff maybe in their own garage. They get all that experience. But like we're talking average Joes and Janes here, like they can do stuff in their garage, but then going to somebody like you guys, it just comes out so much like it was almost destined that way from the factory. Like the- I mean, I can just tell, like I said, dude, total, like, outsider. But the level of, like, precision and, like, perfection. And just understanding of, if I do that, this will happen, this will happen, this will happen. Like, when I was working on this thing, there were so many times where I'm like, oh, this needs to happen. I'll do that. And I didn't think, like, five steps ahead. So I do it, and I'm like, I did it wrong because now this is wrong, and I have to take everything apart again. And then it's like... Okay, so now I know if I do this, this will happen, so I have to do it this way. So, okay, I did that, and now I did that. Ha, good. Oh, wait, shoot. Now this next step is wrong. Okay, i got to take everything apart again. So that's part of the reason I it mean, took yeah, it's, five months. It's not like A affects B. It's like A affects A, B, C, D. Exactly. Yeah. You guys yeah. know all these things, you know. And then meanwhile, too, we, we just walked around the shop out there. We're looking at cars where, like, we're looking at cars where you're even doing things with the body. Like, you're literally cutting apart the chassis like the part of the car that gave it even structure and allows it to not just fold on the road and you know you're you're blending in body panels you're adding you know there's roll cages and stuff like that i mean it's just it's incredible what you guys can do it's definitely better for not better but for people it's easier to take it to a shop mm-hmm. than to try to figure it out themselves because uh it will take a lot of time you know if you haven't done it there's a lot of people that just want to learn which is great and they right. do it at least, you know, when they do it, a lot of them do that where they take it to us and can you please go over the car? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we go over the car. The car is good. It's good. It's not. We, you know, we fix whatever is not fixed. But ultimately, yeah, giving it to someone who has a little bit of experience helps. You know, the car's going to turn out a little bit better, especially, you know, when it comes down to like normal stuff, like maybe an engine rebuild on an NA, like, like the Forester. Mm-hmm. That may be okay because you're not really doing any custom work. Everything is already pretty. It's pretty straightforward. Yeah, you get. I was shopping for you know some parts. Like I got some parts from the dealership. I got some parts from the guy at the local shop or whatever. It all is been designed from the factory to just bolt up. Like it just it yeah. works. You don't have to worry about clearances or like oh am I going to run into my headers or am I going to run into yeah. you know whatever are these brakes going to clear the wheels? You weren't modifying. You were just. No, I was doing what was designed to go on a factory where they're pumping out thousands of these. You know it's. And that's where that's where uh, the tricky part is when you start modifying it, and that's where you really want to take it to a shop where they've had experience. If you don't, if you don't personally have any experience, then you have to take it to a shop because there's a lot to it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a lot of guys that have previous experiences from other cars and everything, and that that definitely helps. And a lot of them can do that. But taking it to a shop where you know what's going to be happening, or the guys that are doing it know what's going to happen, what you need is when it's worth it. That's yeah. when so you, it justifies your money. Yeah. One of the most incredible things that I think shops do, and this isn't to take away from like engine rebuilds and bumping up a bunch of power out of an engine or whatever, but one of the things that I think is absolutely incredible is like suspension. Because you can have the most powerful car in the world and it can lose to 
a far less powerful car that's just set up properly. I'm talking about mostly on a track, obviously not like a drag race or anything like that. But on a track, like you guys go to button wheel or something like that, the handling of a vehicle and how it performs, like how it steers, how it, you know, body roll and, and how, you know, the, the camber caster, all these things, it's huge. Handling and suspension is everything. It's, it's, uh, far more important than the power. Yeah. Hmm. And when, and when these people go in, like, like you guys do and you make a car with, you know, I was looking at your time attack car. You guys have custom control arms that are like, you know, the, uh, I mean, a lot of times you look at, I looked at our control arms. They look like a giant, you know, like, um, moon. Like, what is it? DreamWorks. <laughs> DreamWorks has the moon where the guy's fishing off. Oh, yeah, yeah. Our control arm kind of looks like that moon. Okay. Uh, and uh, a crescent moon. That's that's what it is. Big old honking thing. You know, it's got a ball joint on the end or whatever. They make a bazillion of them and bolt them up to every super that comes down the line. You guys have these, like, fully adjustable, like, tube control arms and, uh, like, tie rods and all this stuff. Like, there's a lot of geometry that has to go into that. Like you're connecting points in space and they call it a suspension because the car without a suspension, the car just sits on the ground. It doesn't go anywhere, you know? And, uh, to do all that stuff. And then to, once you even get the geometry right of everything, like where you have to connect your control arms and all these other things, it's like, then you have to dial it in. You have to have, you know, like you got to go in and I was, I was, some of your pictures on Instagram, you got the guy with the strings, yeah. which is super cool when they're aligning it and everything. It's yeah. crazy. So yeah, all of that, all of that is so important, especially, you know, if you have a higher grade suspension, setting it up is so important. And, you know, it takes, it takes a while setting up that suspension. You have to go to multiple test days in order for you to be able to get the right settings. The alignment is so important as well. Well, then you have to know like what you're feeling when you're testing too. Like if you don't know, like I wouldn't know the difference. Like, mm-hmm. between, I mean, I might be able to feel feel a difference, but I mm-hmm. wouldn't necessarily know maybe which one is better or what you're looking for. Like, oh, that's, we got it right, you know? Oh, that's right. Uh, if you have a little bit of experience and, you know, you started out with more normal cars, you know, you, you started on a car with stock suspension and you went to a car with, you know, grade one coilovers and, and then you upgrade it and you've seen the differences throughout, you know, from the start of your career yeah, and everything. Yeah. At that point, you'll be able to understand what all these small changes make. Mm-hmm. But... You guys make a small tweak and it could you can immediately see like tenths of seconds come off or yep. get put back on your your time and you're in time attack, right? What do you guys like you guys do that at the track? Like you're just tweaking stuff yep. a lot, like when you go. Yeah, out for example, your- at the last uh at the last race that we were at, we were tweaking the suspension because this is still a very new car to us. Uh this when this car was finished, absolutely everything on the car was brand new. Nothing mm-hmm. was tested, nothing everything was new. So the car, uh, even though it's been about a year now, we've been fighting some problems. We're still learning it. We're still testing the car. We're still tweaking it. At the last race, you know, we we tweaked the suspension uh, here and there, and it made a huge difference. Just one day of testing, huge difference. Wow! But that's what that's what you got to do. Yeah. Uh, with every car that is that you want to compete with, or you, even if it's not a competition for you to just have good handling, you have to do that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now let's say like so for the guy out there who's listening to this because they've been listening to a hunting you know pod venture thus far so <laughs> maybe thinking about the forester or outback route and less maybe like a super time attack route maybe they are at the same time because it's a great uh, great thing but let's say you're talking about like an off road suspension so what we have now and and this is a little bit what we were alluding to earlier what we have now is uh, Subarus don't get lifted the same way like dudes lift their big Fords or whatever you know their big trucks and whatnot those guys just put bigger coil springs on. And then they put like a different shock on and then it's like, okay, the thing's lifted, you know, these, there's not like a ton of those different coil and shock options. They're also using a McPherson 
style where it's sort of a coil over, right? And uh, so instead, actually, what, like I know what we did is we went to like strut top spacers. So we just kept the stock suspension, put a spacer on the top to almost kind of like push the car a little bit up off the wheels and whatnot yeah. to get that lift. We put on, because I knew Mark over here is a clinical overpacker, I put on like King heavy-duty springs instead of using the OEM ones because I didn't want a bunch of squat. But is that basically kind of like... And then you also mentioned there's these subframe spacers, which we probably should put in <laughs> too, to sort of, you know, if you can imagine, if you lift everything up, that geometry gets changed. You know, you yes. got you to gotta let like yeah, your engine... Same way, you know, as the, as the you got to adjust for the control arms yeah. and all that. It's the same thing, yeah. Yeah. You just got to accommodate the top half and the bottom half. Right. Is that pretty much like the way to go with lifting Subarus and kind of making them... It's the most common way. Yeah. And then, yeah. I mean, a lot of people do that. And so far, everything, everyone's doing good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, there's... If you want to go to like a crazy rally suspension, it's going to cost you 30, 40, 50 grand. <sighs> you could, but why do it? <laughs> <laughs> if you're not rallying, you yeah. know. When this, thing, when this thing did perfectly fine. Oh, one thing I was just going to ask you about, too, and this is just, uh, this is literally genuinely, I, I was asking for our Subaru, but I'm curious what you'd say, too, for the listeners out there that are just maybe car nerds or whatever, curious. Like, one thing people put in when they're talking about off-roading is lockers in differential. So, like, on your typical four-wheel drive, you've got a transfer case, then you've got two diffs front and rear, one each. And then on Subarus, especially... Like, I know ours with the manual transmission, I think the automatic is the same, maybe? There's three diffs, yes. right? Yes. So, like, people will talk about using lockers, because if you get stuck, and one wheel is spinning, and the other one isn't, then you're never going to get traction to the one that actually has grip. Do Subarus, like a, like a Forester, for example, do they have lockers in them from the, or like a limited slip almost, or, or should we install lockers or something like that, or can well, you even? Well, you can, it's just, you can put an LSD in it, Mm-hmm. But it would have to be like the racing one that we have in the car, which wouldn't be too fun to drive as a daily. Okay. Okay. Now, if you're strictly off-roading, then yeah, it's cool. You can do that. But uh, for example, if you have a center, just let's say just the center LSD, mm-hmm. and you want to make a 90-degree turn because it's always active. You know, it's no longer like the STIs have driver-controlled uh, center diff mm. uh, where you can, uh, you know, put it, you can leave it open and lock it whenever you need it. Uh, yours is always open. Okay. Right? So, but when you put the LSD, it's constantly locked. So every oh, time okay. you go in for a tight, tighter turn, it's going to start binding in because it's, it's lower, lower speed. You're really going to feel it. Yeah. Now on That's track. Like, dun, 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 like yeah. you feel that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like when, I mean, would that be similar? Like when I have my truck in four wheel drive and I like go to like, go and turn into like a tight parking yeah. spot. Same deal. Cause yeah, a transfer case is just a lot, almost like a locked center diff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And then that's why, you know, we were talking about swapping over to six speed. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you end up doing a JDM STI transmission, they already have an LSD in the center that you don't need to control. Oh, you don't? No. Is that always locked or is that one uh, kind of like sometimes open and locked if you need it? Or Yeah, I think I'm not sure exactly, mm-hmm. but it's not always locked because you can obviously do your 90 degrees. U-turns right. They made it to kind of be honest. If you car. do the USDM uh, six speed swap... You can do this. Uh, the, there's this thing called DCD Pro, mm-hmm. and because the USDM transmissions they have the the DCD, it, when you put it on whatever car, and you can wire in a DC, uh, DCD Pro, which allows you to control the center diff in that six speed. So you can leave That's it open, cool. you can lock it, uh, you can fully lock it, you can lock it just a little bit, whatever you want. So that's one option that's pretty cool. 
That's pretty cool for uh, sure. For those of you that don't want to have DCCD Pro, uh, or you know they have DCCD, that's one driver option to do con- it. Driver controlled center, center diff, diff, right? Yeah. yeah. If you're racing, then you can just put a you know like a Cusco LSD, and it'll change everything. Yeah. What are the so when you're racing, the point of a blocking your diffs, because that that I think to somebody who's used to just hearing about people locking diffs when they're off road, you know. To hear about using that then in a racing application is kind of weird. Like, how does it actually... Well, to kind of simplify it, to give you an example, is when the car... For example, our car has uh, Cusco all three diffs. So front, center, and rear. Oh, shoot, all three. So all three of them. And the car feels as if it's on rails. Okay. You tell the car to turn in, the car turns in where you tell it to turn in. Hmm. When I was a little bit younger, I had just started tracking and, and, and racing... I noticed that I used to have an, a 2008 STI, and that's what I was competing with. And obviously, that had a DCD uh, Pro. And I, I would lock it every single time. One time, I forgot to lock it. Hmm. And I went out on track. And, oh, man, the car feels very, very squirmy, very, very loose in the turns. And then I looked at the video, and then I realized that I turned the car on, off, and then turned it back on and didn't lock my diff. Okay. And I was like, there you go. Well, that, that, that's how much of a difference this makes. So yeah, you get kind of like a, because that when it locks it, it's keeping, like in the center diff, for example, it's keeping the front and the rear wheels Spin. stuck, spinning at the same speed. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Because otherwise, if they weren't and you turned in, then they would start spinning at different speeds. And yes. It just starts getting a little bit. Yeah, it's not as planted. Anymore. Yeah. And that's you know we were talking about handling and suspension, and um, a lot of people don't realize how important the differentials are. And how much it affects your control over the car. Yeah. It's huge. Yeah. Would you make a differential upgrade over a suspension upgrade or suspension upgrade over a differential? No. Suspension is going to have to come first. Okay. And eventually when... Are you asking for a friend, Jim? <laughs> uh, yeah, buddy. <laughs> Tim. Suspension would have to go first just because even if you have the diffs, the car's going to roll. Yeah. So you want to control that first. Okay. Okay. Got it. That makes sense. Mark, do you feel yourself turning it? So this is one of the other oh things my for, gosh. for the listeners out there. So Mark has had to endure, now we're on like a week that we've been gone, and you've had to endure me talking about cars nonstop. And you've been thinking about, Mark's thinking about making an overlander himself. Like it's similar to, to the Forester that we have thinking, out there. Thinking. Thinking about it. <laughs> thinking about it. He's been looking at, you know, the Land Cruisers and stuff like that. But Thank I have goodness heard, my wife doesn't listen to this I have heard. I've heard Mark talk more. There's actually been times in the car where like, I could I could talk his ear off the entire way down to Arizona and to LA then about cars, but I was like, you know what? I'll I'll spare him. I know Mark's not as into cars as I am, but I've heard him talk about cars almost as much as I have. He brings up every car we pass by. Oh, look at that! Look at that Tacoma! Look well, at that Subaru right there! Look at that! You know? Yeah, man. The, the for for lack of a better term, the wheel the wheels are turning. I think it's almost through osmosis because well, you bring up every car that drives by too, and you're like, oh, there's that one, and like you get like a complete like. 20 second history until the next car passes by <laughs> or like there'll be like one oh that's this car but it's got this on it you know and and uh, and then just this trip man and and seeing the um oh, man how darn well the soup did like it exceeded any expectation that i that i could have had or or preconception like when and i've said it probably a million times throughout this process but when i got the text from jim he goes hey we just uh want to $1,200 Subaru off eBay. I was just like, oh my gosh. Like, <laughs> the trip that Jim was talking about before this one, I was like, 
we can't do this again. Like we can't, <laughs> we can't get like, stranded. This, again. It has to work this time, you know. And it, but it did, and it was just like, I mean, we took that thing on some gnarly stuff, no problems. I even, and I love trucks. I'm a truck guy, right? But so I ended up driving. Um, Baja for that. <laughs> <laughs> a different. We got split up. Whatever. I ended up driving like uh, a truck, and I was like, man, dude, like the soup. I think it handles better way smooth everybody who got like, in it was sk- way smooth so like, there, there the was, like, was like yeah. and i was like the suit yeah. was just like i was like oh like it made me like appreciate even more some of the terrain that we were on i'm like oh this is actually maybe a little bit more extreme than i even thought it was yeah. when we we're in the suit because there were some trucks and there was a jeep out there and everybody who got into those cars and then got into the super was like oh my gosh it's so much smoother they just couldn't believe it I feel like that's probably chalked up to the independent suspension compared to like solid axles yeah, or some of those that's, cars. That's one thing. But man, these cars don't get enough credit yeah. as to how good they are. No they, way. They can do it can do no anything way. in them and yeah. uh and do it well. Yeah. Do it well. And that's that's Yeah, it's not like a oh you can get by with it thing. It's like no, it excels. Yeah. Right. That was kind of one of the things I know like at first we were talking about like the Forester is a pretty cool one because I've seen people with Foresters on track. It's it's got a high center of gravity. There's better ones out there, but I've seen them with them on track. Even Subaru did some sweet, like Japanese domestic ones that were like the Forester STIs and stuff. Yeah. And like I've seen Foresters do rally. I've seen Foresters do off road. We've done it, you know. But yeah, it's everything, crazy. everything. And then you mentioned the Baja, you mm-hmm. know, that looks like a truck. It's essentially a you know an outback with a cut off. Yeah. Yeah. Trunk. Um, so I can have both. It's pretty much all yeah. based on the same platform. And we even uh, we actually have a, a a customer who has a track baja, which just oh serious yeah. is it that orange? Wild. one? It's the orange one, yes. Yeah, on and your he tracks page. it. It's you know it makes uh, a good amount of power. It's awesome. There's nothing you can't do. And then he can you know he can go off roading next week if he wants. You can do everything, Mark. The Swiss Army knife. Did you see some of the modifications we made when we drilled when we drilled it up? Uh, I, th- I saw oh, the I've lights. Sent you some pictures. I saw so lights and then lights. The, the pictures that you sent and me. And there's yeah. a solar, the solar panel. panels. And uh, <laughs> one thing, this the one that I was probably most proud of was the day before we left. I wired up a push button start. Oh, <laughs> so now if you uh, it, yeah if you have it in run and you're stuck on like a hill, mm-hmm. and I did I was like oh I don't want to have to burn our clutch like we're gonna be stranded in the middle of the desert mm-hmm. if I burn our clutch like trying to get up a hill or something like that if we get stuck ever. But you switch it to run and then you. Hold the button down, and the starter motor gets you it going. You give it a little gas, and it just and it just yeah. gets right out. So that was my uh, that was my pride and joy. Last minute, literal the, the last coup de gras minute before our departure. Yeah, yeah. So you'll see that if you see a button down there, well, it's except for everybody's reference too. We're gonna drop it off with these guys here. There's a there's a few more things. They're gonna check it over. Probably do a few things to make sure that uh, maybe thing, add some spacers. Uh, you you can get lasts. by with them for twenty five or without them. Without them for about 2,500 miles, maybe. I don't know. I don't know if we're just like super lucky, like whatever. <laughs> but uh, if you notice, there's a big button underneath the dash. That's mm-hmm. what that is. Okay. So it's not so. Oh, you put it underneath the dash. I did. I put it like it's It's like right No next one's to your stealing left that knee. car. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I also put like the light controllers down by the right knee because I was, nice. I wanted everything on top. You know, like some people, they drive around, they got that like their big cob access port like right in the windshield. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, oh, I know your car has expensive parts in it. <laughs> <laughs> but tubes are cool, man. This has been you, it. There's like, you were pretty much destined to love Subarus. I was, yeah. But like, me personally. But now yes. you do, and you're like, if you if you didn't drive if you didn't drive a Subaru, 
So obviously I, I noticed you're driving, you're racing a Subaru and you're daily driving a Subaru. But if you didn't, what would you be driving? Just out of pure curiosity. Man, my other, my other car that I love and it would have to be the Porsche. Like that's, that's what I think is probably the next best thing. Yeah. That's crazy. Subarus and Porsche mention the same sentence. It, it's always like that. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's just uh, the, the, if I didn't care for what I'm driving, you know, for, I would probably choose that. Yeah. It's obviously, you know, we know we're talking about the 911s mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, because that car can, that car is amazing. Yeah. Uh, granted, the cost of it is pretty high up there, but yeah. That, yeah, that would have to be it. When you consider what you can purchase a Subaru for and you consider what you can purchase a Porsche for. Yeah. I mean, by no means is building a Subaru cheap. That's true. That's true. But let's, let, let's put it like that. You put the same amount of money in a Subaru, mm-hmm. the Porsche cost. The super is gonna smoke it. Serious, <laughs> okay. yeah, hundred uh, percent. That's awesome. No doubt about that. That's awesome. Um, Do you ever go over to the Porsche Experience and like race those guys? No. And so it, it's what is across the street is the Experience Center, and essentially you you go in and you pay them a bunch of money, and you get to drive around whatever car you want with oh. an instructor. Oh, and okay. then they have two slopes: one simulating ice, I believe, and the other simulating water, and they teach you how to control your car. But Actually, you know, we got to check out if they're still open. You guys should totally go across the street if you have the time because inside it's amazing. It's uh, it's like a museum. Oh, really? And that first portion of the building is the Porsche Motorsports Division where they actually build the cup cars. Uh, oh, no way. They yeah. do that here? Yeah. Huh. Oh, wow. It's, it's, pretty, it's pretty cool. <laughs> Dude, that is cool. There's a lot of like... The LA is like a hub for... for racing and automotive like i mean even dating back to uh like you know carol shelby days right like all that stuff is that right over here too he's we can walk there if you want what no way are you serious that's right it's this next street over so this is like even right here even within la is like motorsports central oh yeah oh yeah there's a lot of racing shops and racing places in the area that's cool yeah wild. and when you drive around the street too like you drive around town in Wisconsin and every car is either like 2010 or newer, or if it's older, it's probably got rust all over. It. <laughs> right. And, you know, and, and you're like, man, that thing's really hanging on by a thread. You drive around the streets out here though, you see a 1980, whatever. And it's like looking immaculate, not a spot of rust on it. And you would think it's almost like a brand new car. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, people here really preserve their cars. They, try they, do. To. they uh, do. And then also, you know, you get, you get your, people that just love old cars and no matter what they're gonna you know they're gonna drive that old car because that's what they want and that's you know that's why i have the 20 to be uh Mm -hmm. that i'm building is because i look at that car i'm like this car is perfect there's nothing i would change about this car and then the cool thing is you know those 20 to be is that i get to build it any way i want yeah and and that's why you know other people they know they have the same thing they you know people drive 70s 80s cars that are you know the american muscles and a lot of people are like why would i drive a new car when i can drive that Right, mm-hmm. right. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm kind of the, the same, the same way. I, yeah. you know, I think about the, think about the car. Like, there's nothing else that I want, you know. Yeah. What's it like for you guys now? So, like, being in being in the racing industry and like automotive industry, and then you see like, I mean, now they got Teslas and electric and Formula E and all that stuff coming out. It's like when I see that stuff, I'm like, gag, you know. Not a fan. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I, I don't think anyone, any, anyone of us is a fan because yeah. 
I think it's cool, you know, that there is the option. It's just that now they're trying to race them is what's annoying. Yeah. They're fast. That's for sure. That's for damn sure. Oh, yeah. Fast. All that torque. Instant. But I don't know, man. I, you know, you see a lot of, I've seen a lot of Teslas on tow trucks. No way, really? Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, especially coming down from, from, you know, they try, they attempted to travel somewhere. The oh. battery runs out. Oh, <laughs> oh, right. You just you try and uh, push that boundary a little bit. Yeah, and um, that's what I don't like about Tesla is the the range. Yeah, and then how much time you have to spend in order to charge. You got to kind of sit around. We got stuck in one place on our way here. I gotta say, uh, well, anyway, I won't say actually where it was, but we got stuck in one place where we were at a gas station. I was very glad that it only took about two minutes to fill up our gas tank, we could get out of there because it was like, if we would have had to sit around, plug in our car and wait for 25 minutes. I'm like, I'm pretty sure like, I don't know. I, you'd find like it was a sketch factor 12 uh, sketch like, factor to somebody who'd was... be wearing a sweatshirt man out of our eyelashes. Like <laughs> it's super weird. Yeah. I watched, uh, or actually I listened to, uh, Matt Farrell on the Joe Rogan's podcast, and they were talking about that. And I think Matt Farrell was saying how he, he was testing a Tesla, went to the Kenyans, and, you know, he was having fun up and down. And then all of a sudden he looks down and he's like, oh, I have only this much battery left. I got to go. Oh, shoot. That's what I, it, yeah. see, that's, that's, that's the not fun part of it. Yeah. You, you're limited. You know, with these cars, we, with normal cars, we have gas stations everywhere. So, yeah, you just fill up. And we don't even think it. about that. I don't think, oh, I'm going to, can I make it over there? If I fill up here, <laughs> like, I'm not really sure if I can. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm sure the, the support system for these cars is going to get better over time and yeah. it's going to keep evolving. But right now it's, it's just not good enough yet, yeah. in my opinion. I yeah. think that, I think my biggest thing is like, okay, everybody talks about and they brag on the numbers that like a Tesla, we're picking on them right now. Elon, sorry, <laughs> uh, if you listen to this podcast. But anyway, you know, they put... They brag I think ab- he has enough money to have us killed, by the way. They Jim. brag about, well... <laughs> Okay, I get. Hey, if 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 it wasn't that place we stopped for gas that killed us, it's Elon. <laughs> Listening to this podcast is going to kill us. But uh, I think we survived the most dangerous portion. We did. We did. They brag about the numbers those things put up, right? And I think to myself, like, okay, so you guys, you we've talked about horsepower numbers. I'm, you know, I'm sure you guys. There's like zero to sixty numbers out there and whatnot. But like, when you get into a car and you sit down and you're driving, and there's time attack numbers and all that stuff too, which which matter. But, like, when you're getting into a car to enjoy it, not necessarily, like, beat the clock or whatever, and you step on the gas, the last thing I ever think about is, oh, how many seconds is it taking me to get to 60? Yeah. It's just, like, is this freaking fun or not, you know? Like, do I feel like I got thrown back in my seat when I hit that corner? Did I feel, like, gravity and I feel the suspension moving and, like, soaking up the road or whatever? Like, all these things. Numbers of what's happening, like, actually happening, are the last thing to hit my mind, you know? like. You can have, like, people keep trying to have fun on paper. It's like, you can't have fun on paper. 2.6 seconds, 2.8. I don't care. 2.6 seconds. I was like, you know, I've got, I've been in a car that goes zero to 60 in less than four seconds before. And it's like, I think if I would have gone any faster, I don't know if I would have been having any more or less fun. It just, either way, it's fast. You know, know, to them, it's just their marketing, their marketing strategy at that point. You know, they're going to tell you, okay, this car is this fast. That means it's really fast. Right. Mm -hmm. In reality. Right. You know, it's not exactly like that because... You know, you you can go step in a in a lightweight car yeah. that doesn't have the same amount of power that you know these guys are claiming, but yeah, it's gonna be so much fun and because it's light. And then there's the sound that they make too. You get in a, I've been in a Tesla before. 
You get in it, and they're like, oh, okay, ready for this launch? And you're like, yeah, it's going to be awesome, right? And they're like, okay, here we go. And then you're like, <laughs> you're, like, you're like suddenly thrown back in your seat, and you're like, are my ears working? You're like, we're going <laughs> really fast. Like, why can't I hear you? All you hear is like a wee <laughs> or something like that. And you're like, okay, I guess that was kind of neat. And then you get into somebody's car like, we only heard this one that's out here with an exhaust pipe literally sticking out of the trunk. It was one of the craziest things I've ever seen. Like... I didn't even have to be in the car to just enjoy it because you revved it up and it just like growly, poppy. I was going to say pretty throaty. Oh, yeah. And one of those things, again, as soon as you mash the throttle, I don't care how long it takes to get 60. This thing sounds incredible. It, I'm sure it tosses you right back. Oh, yeah. Ah, that's what it's about, man. But, you know, that's for us. You know, we're, we're car geeks. Yeah. So yeah. we geek out over stuff, over stuff like that and... Your regular Joe wants to go buy a Tesla and go fast, quick, you know, as quick go. as possible. So, so you know, there's there's people for that. There's people for everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like there's people that are going to build, you know, an 800 horsepower Subaru over buying a GT3. Yeah. So. Yeah. I have one brother that I I can't believe he's my brother, but he um <laughs> he buys he buys a vehicle and he doesn't know what engine it has in it, <laughs> and he doesn't care. And I'll ask him things about it. And he's like, no, I don't know. I don't really care. And he tells me all the time, if I had a way to just have the car drive me to where I want to go and I could just sleep in it and I wouldn't have to touch anything, he's like, I would be the first person in line for it. <laughs> and every time I'm like, you are not my brother. You leave this room right now. Like, On this, en- this entire trip, Tim's like, ugh, these roads are so straight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was terrible. They were incredibly you know, straight. No, no, you said that there was a video. It actually blew up because it was here in LA on the 405. There was someone in a Tesla on his way to work sleeping. There was a video. I, I could probably find it. There was he, he had a blanket. I think he had a blanket over him. He was sleeping and the car was just driving on the freeway. Did, did, I, in traffic. He, he was in traffic. He didn't have to like I, control the throttle? I'm not sure because I thought you, they, that it had to look at your eyes in order to know that you're because you still have to be conscious. Oh, that was okay. way back when they first came out with that self-driving feature. And there was a video and I was like, whoa. Yeah. Like, this is not good. That's weird. Because people are, like, if that actually was, you know, either correct or legal. Yeah. People are going to start doing that. They're going to be like, I can just sleep an extra half hour in my car. Eat some cereal. Eat pie. <laughs> my Uber driver the other day was just trying to eat, just trying to eat his pie. And he got pulled over with me in the back seat. Really? Yeah. He goes, man, Jimmy, can you believe that? I was just trying to eat my pie, man. You saw me. You saw me. And I was like, I saw you. It was a good pie. He's like, it's pecan, man. I don't think, Damn. I don't think it was the pie eating. I think it was the four lane change. Oh yeah. It was the four lane change that he made as he tried to take the first bite of his pie. Yeah. Um, man, Ubers are, or a sketchy thing. Dude, it's sketchy. Trusting somebody to, <sighs> yeah. to drive you is definitely... I've been in some that made me not want to be in them. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, you got to think about, too, with self-driving cars, everybody brings up the morality thing, which I genuinely think is truly a, a, a question to think. But, like, okay, car sees oncoming vehicle that you're going to hit, and then, you know, it's like trying to detect where it needs to swerve or break or whatever. And it's like, okay, off to the right, there is a woman pushing a baby stroller. So do I save the woman pushing the baby stroller? Or does car decide that, oh, well, my driver is 65, male, has led a pretty good life, you know? So instead of killing the lady and the baby, I'm going to kill the driver and just plow right into the car in front of me, you know? Or like these things that like only a human can think, 
in those, I don't even know if rational or morality or whatever ways that you can think where it's like, oh, this is happening. I need to make a decision. It's like, you're going to put that into the hands of a computer? In my opinion, self-driving cars will never be a good option. Yeah. Because you're trusting somebody for not only your not only your life, you're trusting people for other people's life. Mm-hmm. You're trusting a, a computer. Uh, there was a case. I'm not sure if it was Tesla or who, which uh, car it was. I think it was a Tesla. It was up in uh, Northern California. The car was driving in the very left lane of the freeway. Now all of a sudden, that that lane ends, and there's a uh, there's a concrete concrete barrier right coming up to it. Car didn't know it was coming. Went straight into the barrier. Oh, jeez. And you got you got to wonder too with these things. Like, remember back in computer class? I don't know if you guys had this. Maybe I'm like too too like you know young to you know, oh you had computer classes. We had abacus classes. But uh, <laughs> anyway, we had computer class, and it used to be where the teacher could like go and say you know oh, we were trying to figure out how to use Excel, and you'd be like hey Miss So and So, I can't figure out how to do this, and she's like oh okay hold on, and then all of a sudden boop she takes over your mouse, you know, and yeah. she's like here this is what you need to do. And it's like, if it's that easy for somebody, I know they already had that hooked up, but you see hackers these days, they like, they can bump into your phone in like 0.2 seconds. It's like, if you're driving along your car, somebody rolls up and they're like super blacked out, like Chevy Astro van or something. And they're like, oh, I'm going to kill that guy today. You know, whatever. Just maybe hack in. Okay. You jerk steering wheel immediately left, send him off a cliff. I mean, what? (laughs) There's a lot of variables here or things that you should, that can be considered as to why it's not a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. We'll even see where it goes. Even the uh, even the Subs now they have that like eyesight stuff. Mm-hmm. Like when you guys work on Subarus now, like if somebody brings in a newer one, is it significantly harder now to work on newer ones because no. like it's not? No. Okay. The all, all those things still... don't really affect us. Okay. Is there just like a lot more wires now though that you have to sift through, or is it just kind of like whatever? Yeah. I mean, you know, for the new cars, we, we we're not swapping them. Okay. Like, so we don't really have to deal with that portion of it. It's yeah. mainly you know strict mechanical stuff. But doesn't really affect this. Yeah. But yes, there is a lot more. Yeah. Once you swap them, then you got to get it. You were talking to us about like CAN bus and stuff like yeah. that. Every computer talks to each other now. And it's not like that's any- That's so much harder. And, you know, granted, there's companies out there that, that can help you with the swaps, but, or with the wiring portion of it, but it's still yeah a lot. It's not as simple as like the older cars, you know. Yeah. The ECU just controlled like the motor. Everything around it was just sort of like its own thing. It just yeah. kind of didn't care what the motor was doing. Now it's like, why do your brake lights need to know what the motor is doing? You know, like, <laughs> there is no reason. Why does your dome light, you know, that like just lights up your map light? Why does that need to know what your engines do? Or <laughs> like be any at all tight in? Everything's connected now. Ugh, it's crazy. So much. This yeah. was such a great cap off too. I feel like we've gone just like, I don't know. I know I've been more intimately involved in the FOS, but it's super cool to have just gone through getting some old junker fixing it up, coming down here, coming over to meet you guys, seeing incredible Subarus here. Like I said, check out their Instagram page, Renner Racing Development. And I, I love, I geek out. I follow you guys and I just geek out over all the photos <laughs> that you post. Cause it's I, gave, like, I gave you guys a follow this morning as good, well, actually. Good. So if, if you notice that uptick of one, <laughs> I appreciate me. that. Yeah. But you know, it's like, I mean, seeing all these custom setups, you were talking like intake, man, inverted man, intake manifolds, giant turbochargers, engines. There's like EJ engines all over here, you know, and like heads, crankshafts, you know, all that stuff is like, and you guys, the, the one thing I gotta, I gotta say is like, I really appreciate all the help that you've been able to, uh, to give us too. And like just chatting with you guys about stuff. So that's been, uh, that's been really awesome. You got to support 
support good people. So if you guys, <laughs> yep. if you guys out there have listened to me especially talk enough about Subarus on this pod venture, and all of a sudden you find yourself like on Auto Tempest or whatever online, you're looking up Subarus, and you're like, why am I doing this? Anyway, if you decide to go this route, you know, and, and you really want to get crazy with it, you should hit these guys up. It's, it's they do sweet stuff, but. It's been awesome, Jim. And I, I tell you what, it's been way cool listening to you guys talk. And like, even just like when you guys, dude, I just see you guys like light up. You start talking about certain aspects of the car, you know, and then just like this <laughs> excitement level goes up and these genuine smiles. And uh, I know at least three car terms now. So that's really neat for me personally. And uh, we, it's wild, man. Oh, I can't wait until you get a car to build. Oh, it's a bug. Once you catch it, it, I can tell that. I can like that's what that's and that's what I'm fearful of because I've got enough hobbies that I'm yeah. into. Yeah, this dude though, like Mark will like just like I try to fill my time like every single night I'm going to bed like looking at car stuff. Mark will try to fill his entire mind with just like oh what hunt can I go on? If I was in, <laughs> if I was in Alaska at this time of year, what could I be hunting? If I was in like Delaware, you know, at whatever time of the year, like what could I be hunting? You know, it's it's nuts, but uh, yeah. Racing is definitely uh, a similar kind of bug. I mean, that's all. It, it, at some point, it become it, it consumes you. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's 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 you wake up with it, you go to bed with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and because you're always trying to figure something out, it's never solved. Yeah. Well, there's always room for improvement. Always. Yeah. So, with that said, you know you keep trying to do that. Right. You know, it's, whether it's uh, something small on like a you know your street driven car or in your full blown race car. You continue to look for that extra, extra give, extra second, extra everything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I talked about, about Time Attack a little bit. That's the beauty of it. Every single team evolves so much every single year that, and, you know, at some point you're like, well, when is this going to stop? It's never going to stop. Right. No. You're, everyone's going to keep evolving. Everyone gets faster. And that's the beauty of it because you come, you know, uh, you, you come back to this track and you, you know you, what you did last year. And now you, that's your benchmark. And you try to beat it. And you keep pushing it. And all these cars, they're built to the limit. And they're being pushed to the limit as well. And it's, it's a sport where you're like, I really hope this car makes it. <laughs> you know, I, all I need is one lap. And, you know, to, a, a lot of people have run into issues, but no one gives up. Yeah. You know, people keep going because once you know, oh, I, I can do this or I could have done that. And you're like, I have to go back and do it. I felt that a little bit when we were out on the trails, like... I thought that I would, we'd get out on the trails and I'd be like, oh, I just finished building this thing. I don't <laughs> want to break it. And then, you know, it was like a little bit that way at first. And then all of a sudden I just found myself like, I want to see what this thing can do. You know, it's <laughs> like, I want to break it almost is what I was thinking. Like, I want to push it to you its max. want to test the limit. Yeah, see yeah. where it breaks. Yeah, exactly. And so, but of course, Mark is like, we still need to make it to LA. We still need to make it to LA. <laughs> and I was like, I'll just jump it once. <laughs> but oh, uh, it's, it's, uh, it is fun. So anyway, but well, like, like we said, we're going to leave the Forester w- here in good hands. We're going to have uh, you guys go over it, do a couple of things. We'll uh, probably have the transmission, the, uh, the pretty significant grind into third gear, which we've kind of kind of worked around a little bit, but uh, addressed and, and any other stuff that you guys feel necessary to make this thing. Uh, this is going to be our pod venture mobile from now on. So, yeah. yeah. You heard it here, folks. You well, heard it here. All I got to say is cars are cool. Subarus are cool. Deal with it. Yeah. Any last calls from you, Damien? Just like he said, Subarus are the way to go. When it comes to cars, <laughs> they can do everything. I'm really glad I got to meet you guys. Thank you for having me on here. If you're ever in LA, come check us out. Oh, heck, heck yeah. yeah. If you are, awesome. You took time out of your Sunday to do this podcast as well, which is super cool. So anyway, like we said, 
any car guys out there listening, they're like super cool car guys, support people that are awesome as well. So check these guys out. And uh, yeah, oh, man, I always feel every time we end one of these pod ventures, like at the very end, last episode, I don't it's want it to like, be over. You don't want I it to be like over. I feel like we're even like, hanging this on just because of that. Yeah, we are a little bit, but we're going to let this one in. So thanks, Damien. Yeah. All right. Thanks Thank you guys. Time. We'll catch you guys next time. See you later. Bye. Bye. All right, that'll wrap it up for this episode of the Vortex Nation podcast. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Hit that subscribe button so you can always stay up to date on the latest happenings over here at the Vortex Nation podcast. Leave us a review or comment down below. We want to hear what you have to say about the show, maybe what you like, maybe what you didn't like, so that way we can make these podcasts as good as they can be. You can also follow us on Instagram at Vortex Nation Podcast. We'll be posting about each episode released, so that way you can go back, find these things, maybe grab a little nugget of information that you can take with you to the range, out in the field, or uh, maybe to the kitchen if we're talking about some good food. So again, everybody, thanks, and happy hunting and shooting. We appreciate it. Have a good one.